Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Knights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. And on today's episode of Obsidian Nights, where we go through A Song of Ice and Fire, chapter by chapter, we're doing A Game of Thrones, Eddard 11. And I have the Obsidian Knight, resident Obsidian Knight, here, uh, Justin Thomas from Top Shelf Fandom, also editor of this podcast. Yeah, resident Obsidian Knight. I I, I actually uh, put that down in the census. The little census. I put <laughs> Is that, that on your LinkedIn? Yeah, they, they immediately <laughs> brought me in for interrogation, and rightfully nice. so. Rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> So Justin is here. We're going to be cracking into Eddard 11, and I'm going to start off by reading the opening of the chapter. Through the high, narrow windows of the Red Keep's cavernous throne room, the light of sunset spilled across the floor, laying dark red stripes upon the walls where the heads of dragons had once hung. Now the stone was covered with hunting tapestries, vivid with greens and browns and blues, and yet still it seemed to Ned Stark that the only color in the hall was the red of blood. He sat high upon the immense ancient seat of Aegon the Conqueror, an ironwork monstrosity of spikes and jagged edges and grotesquely twisted metal. It was, as Robert had warned him, a hellishly uncomfortable chair, and never so more than now, with his shattered leg throbbing more sharply every minute. So this chapter opens up in the Red Keep, in the throne room of the Red Keep, and Ned Stark is sitting on the Iron Throne. And like, let's just talk about the Iron Throne really quick. So the Iron Throne was forged of the blades of all of Aegon's enemies. And in the books, the Iron Throne is actually way more monstrously big. It's a monstrosity. Uh, yeah, monstrosity. It's huge. And it's like steps that you actually climb up to that are also made of blades. It, yes. So like we'll put an image on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're watching this in podcast format, just envision a big, huge chair that has steps carved into the actual chair. Yeah. So the the Iron Throne was forged by Balerion the Black Dread, and Robert tells Ned it's uncomfortable, and it, it is uncomfortable. It should be. It's uneasy where's the throne, right? It's the burden of power in which George is like, hey, heavy wears the crown is like, you know, another adaption of that phrase, but it's, uh, you know, uneasy, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, the burden of difficulties of leader and so forth. Uh, but yeah, the, the original one is, it literally is ridiculous. It looks like it's from a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah, <laughs> it's it it does look like it's from a Dr. Seuss book, actually. Like weebles very, and wobbles. Yeah, very. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very. Uh, it's not cute at all. Actually, it's ugly. Well, didn't it kill? Uh, it killed. It, it is accredited for killing. Um, Magor. Magor the first, right? And then Viserys the first is accredited with an infection, like sepsis of sorts. If I'm 
Yeah, I might yeah. be speaking and then, that. Sure. And then Rhaenyra was cut by it. Yeah. So it says, like, if you're cut by the throne, that means the throne rejects you. Yeah, but it's like, ah, it's also a faulted piece of, uh, you know. Yeah, it's also like a, a, a tetanus chair yeah. anyway. What, but the tetanus yeah. chair cut you? You must be evil. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. So um, basically, Robert has gone hunting because why not? I mean... And when has he ever done anything that makes sense? So amidst all of the shit that's going on, like the Lannisters are massing armies in the West, the Lords of River Run, the Tullys, the River Lords, they're calling their banners. Like everyone's calling their banners because Catelyn took Tyrion. Like ever since Catelyn took Tyrion, this has been going on. Like yeah. pe- get, pe- people are gathering their armies. And Ned has to sit the Iron Throne and speak with the king's voice. Um, so he first talks to uh, Sir Carl Vance um, is one of the sirs and there's, there's Sir Raymond Derry there, but he says, Sir Carl Vance, you know, says this is all that remains of the whole fest of Sharer. Lord Eddard. The rest are dead along with the people of Wendish town and the Mummers Ford. So, like they're all kneeling. These are all villagers that have come to King's Landing and they want to, you know, seek justice. Yes. And for what has happened to their homes and their places of business or whatever. So basically what has happened is their villages have been pillaged. Their establishments have been burned. Their women have been raped Yes, and set on fire. Like, People were killed. I mean, it's awful what happened, actually. Yeah, it is a societal um, retribution in which Eddard personally felt at the hands of, right, because of his injury of mm-hmm. their soldiers, not of, you know, there's never that one-on-one sword fight in, in the novels. But and, yeah. and for Jory, and for Jory, like his yes. mom. Ned loves his men. Like he does about Jory all the time. So under the king's authority, there is still this insolence that happens, meaning like the Lannisters have struck out against the Starks. And now since Catelyn has taken Tyrion, they have struck out against the Riverlands because what we have is a lot of peasants coming forth saying, and it's amazing to me. And this is why I love this series that you do so much. And I'm so grateful to you for doing it is because I understood for the first time upon realism, even though I read this book five years ago, right. That they say they didn't have any banners mm-hmm. that the, the mountain didn't. didn't have any, ba- right. How many times is that cited? It's at least seven to 10, maybe even more up to 50. Yeah, Taiwan isn't a stupid Taiwan's not stupid. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like the Brotherhood without banners is formed by this destruction without banner because it's this unclear line mm-hmm. within society in which I almost just wish, and I'm sure so many other people too, and please comment below. I just want to know what Rob I almost wish Ned would have took this decision not to jump ahead to Robert, even though it's Obviously, not something that could happen because he won't be alive. But what would Robert do with this clear indication? But at the same time, Ned just got stabbed. Jory just got killed, right? And he did yeah. nothing. So would he have done anything? What, would you, what do you guys think? And I actually, what do you think, right? Because I don't that, think that's what bothers me because he takes this opportunity, right? To strike out on his own and make people, you know, that are maybe not as attached to him go. And it's justice versus vengeance and all like that. he he didn't do anything 
when Jamie got into his scuffle with Ned and Ned is the hand of the king. Ned is his best friend. So it's foolish for me to think. So I I doubt he's going to do anything about uh, these lords burning (sighs) shit in the Riverlands. I know. And I, in in my mind, I thought that I'm like, I just want to ask somebody because I feel like he might've, but it's so unrealistic, right? To think that he would've. One of the interesting things in this chapter is that the people that are coming to the court don't even know what Robert looks Mm -hmm. like. They don't even know what their king looks like. They think Ned is the king. And Ned can't believe it. Like, you don't know. Somebody that grew up so close to King's (laughs) Landing doesn't know. He's like, I kill everybody up in the north. So, you know, like, they know me. But uh, (laughs) but it's not necessarily that. But, yeah, I found that to be interesting, too, that he found it to be absurd that this man grew up, like, uh, I forget how the phrasing is or the you know, actual uh, verbatim, but he said exactly what you just said. He's like, oh, this man that was just a hillside away or, you know, per se, he doesn't know what Robert looks like. It's like, well, the North is vast, right? Like, right. I mean, come on, they all know what you look like, Ned. Uh, but yeah, but he is the detachment of the centralized unit of society and, and, and actual power is is quite apparent in, the, in, in this actual chapter. Yeah. And the, so to the banner thing, so the people are like, you know, they didn't have no banners. They weren't flying any sigils. They didn't have any special armor. But there was one that was like a monster, a giant, <laughs> yeah, a giant. And they're like, it's the mountain. It's Gregor Clegane. Yeah. And like the whole courtroom, like courtroom well it's like a courtroom but it's a throne room um the whole court like starts whispering and shit like oh what the fuck's about to go down yeah um and they were like people were scared like the the villagers that were there were you know kind of scared people so, leave that courtroom. yeah like they leave. yeah they leave it to go run and, and ned looks at that he's like are those cersei's are they scared are those cersei rats like no those are rats those are this this court is high school people elevated times 100 yeah and then you have Maester Pycelle, who's there, like, you know, why would Sir Gregor turn brigand? Yeah. <laughs> By the grace of his leech lord, he holds a stout keep in lands of his own. This man is an anointed knight. Yes, which is important because Ned, it will, I, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. But. No, I was just going to say that Pycelle also, like, urges Ned Stark to, like, um, take like that Tywin Lannister is Cersei's father. Yeah, like, like, hey, hey, dude, like, chill out. Yeah. Like, keep it cool. Like, this (laughs) couldn't happen. He's like, no, man, like, first off, like, people are just killed. I was messed up. And now this is happening. And Ned, Ned fucking says, thanks for stating the obvious. Like, basically, that's what he said. Thanks for stating that. I fear we might have forgotten that if you had not pointed it out. Like, (laughs) and I feel like Ned is getting more quippier. He's getting more like more irritated with yes. the people of King's Landing. Absolutely. Because what he does here is this is an ennobled person, meaning mm-hmm. the 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 mountain. So if we're looking at this within the constructs of the contemporary times in which, like, you know, blah blah blah. blah. You got like the role War of the Roses, right? Yeah, uh, 13, 1400s, blah blah blah. Um, so the mountain, he disennobles him here. And he yeah. actually goes uh, about due process without due process and actually sentences him to death on Veer, you know, pure just uh, what 
uh, aesthetic, you know, description alone, which would be a contrived account of what happened. We know it's what's happening, right? We know Tywin's taking these actions, but everything is doing things. And he's trying to take control in this situation. And you brought this up to me when you you pitched this to me. Uh, Not that you had to pitch it hard. I love doing this. Uh, But you're like, no, this is the time that, that is smart. And you're right. He is. But there's also a folly in his way because you just can't avoid it because he is trying to take control of the situation and do things under Robert's name, right? Yeah. Make it so that the Lannisters, and he's disennobling him by actually sentencing him to death. And he's making sure to only send 25% of the contingent of troops, you know, that are Stark men, which actually I kind of found a little bit foolish, to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. also, he's used to passing the sentence himself, right? Yeah. And you have Tor- Loris Tyrell, which is like that whole vengeance versus justice argument comes down to Loris, who is 16, and he looks at as a surrogate for Rob, right? Mm-hmm. For shadowing for what's going to happen in the story about, oh, I'm not going to let this boy go to battle, even though we saw at the tourney, right? Yeah. That he's he's capable, but it doesn't matter because Ned is thinking more. Like you said to me in private, you said, no, this is when Ned is thinking. And you're right. He's thinking pragmatically. He's thinking intelligently. He, he He's taking all the steps he can. If you think of Loris Tyrell, though, like Loris Tyrell is not ready to go to war with the mountain. He's not like he's good at turning. He's good at jousting. OK, but to go to war to go head to head with the mountain to oh. lead a party to the riverlands and, and chase down the mountain. Like y- you have Barrick and like the brotherhood, like these, these older guys that have been, been to war and have been around a couple of times, like Thoros of Mir is, is the psycho. Yeah. And <laughs> like, they can't even get the mountain. You think Loris Tyrell? Well, it's in Varys speaks to this at the end of this chapter is that is actually a smarter political move. And we know through Renly and oh, Rouse, yeah. a, a, allegiance. And, and this is all hindsight people in, in gray, you're bringing up a, a perfect point, right? Like at the time that, no, I don't think that he's incapable. Uh, mostly though, because that Loris's name, the reach goes along with it. So to right. have that alliance that we actually strive to have before Stanit sends a shadow baby, which if you like duality and you have, you know, barracks, you know, lightning, uh, <laughs> uh sigil, <laughs> you know, you're right. Uh, right. Uh, but it is a lightning. He strikes. It's like a blitz Creek of sorts. All jokes aside, let's do this. All jokes aside. Uh, there is, you know, his sigil is the lightning strike. And yeah. he is from the Stormlands, right? House Dondarian. And he is going into this, you know, in a semi-Robin Hood matter. And, and he is sending as many, like, nonpartisan people as possible. Yeah. I think that in the show, people don't really get it. Because Beric Dondarian, just like Arthur Dane, in my opinion, from, like, the thousand feet up perspective that I always look at story from, meaning the macro view, he is another hero of another story right that uh-huh. might get killed but he keeps getting resurrected too and they're like what does resurrection mean he's like i have no clue they keep doing it to me though because they didn't six time to him and john's like i don't know either so like they have him do it but like they it's, have i do agree that it should have been loris not to fight the mountain but to make you know the alliance the alliance because that alliance like if you're gonna fucking like vera says like if you're gonna beef with the lannisters the second uh the better come with some forks better come with the tyrells like it'd be good to have the tyrells on your side and like we see that the red wedding or not the red wedding the battle of the blackwater 
that comes is, fruition. Is, it it comes true. Like the Lannisters get the Tyrells by promising Marjorie. But it's jo- that but Joffrey. it's ne- it's Eddard's Eddard sees in the POV, he sees a boy. He sees yeah. Rob. Rob, yeah. 16 years old, right? And Barrick, this old man of 22, which, my God, Gray, come on, for this chapter, I'm like, oh, I feel so old now. I'm in my 30s. You know what I mean? Uh, he's 22 years old, an old man, uh, I guess, yeah. because he's not promised. It, it Was Barrick ever, you're the lore, Savvy One, was, what, what's up with his marriages? Um, He has a wife or fiance. He can't really remember her. <laughs> Well, because he's time. came, he's came, died and came back to life so many times. But there um, was an arrangement made, right? Yeah. So I wanted to talk about one thing. So Ned sees Sansa in Septim Mordain in the court, like, and he gets like this flash of anger, like this is no place for her. And I feel like he's so wrong there. Like this is the per- this is exactly where she needs to be. Like she needs to see what is going on. Like she needs to see these things because at the end of the day, like she's naive and she doesn't understand politics she doesn't understand these things and like that's why she's always behind the ball because she hasn't really been taught because he's protecting her protecting her what does a protector do but it harms her because you're absolutely right but as a father he looks at this as no i'm gonna make sure this never becomes a problem for her and i'm going to solve this so he thinks oh why is she here but that you're absolutely correct that is the detriment of Sansa, but at the same time, that's what happens when people try to shield you. Right. Well, I will say that this is the chapter, like I told Justin before we recorded, this is the chapter where I feel like Ned has got his bearings about him. Like, he's not being stupid. He's not being outright stupid, as he is in the next chapter. <laughs> um, but this chapter, he does something that I feel is very well thought out and that is he sends Barrick and them and Thoros of Mir and uh what is it Lothar Mallory it's 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 a couple guys he sends like 20 men um to the Riverlands to get the mountain but he does it he tells them to go under the king's banner yes so they, they don't fly the Stark banner they don't fly their own banners they take the king's banner because if they take the king's banner and the mountain attacks them he's essentially attacking the king which wouldn't then force robert to do something so i kind of feel like ned didn't think that robert would do nothing and that's why he waited he didn't want to wait for robert to come back and that's why he went ahead and sent him under the king's banner like okay robert you don't want to do anything you want to sit in this chair you want to drink you want to fuck you want to do all that well They've attacked your men under your banner. What are you going to do now? And then Robert loving war the way he loves war and battle the way he loves battle. Robert would have went to war. Well, yeah. And and it's very, it's so, this is the biggest, this, this comes to such a like, and I really want to know what people think, because I know there's people that have just dove into this far more than I have, including you, obviously. But when we look at this situation, we're looking at a situation in which he is setting forth a banner under the king which turns into the brotherhood without banners, which is susceptible to religious motivation, which is susceptible to the old folklore. We are representative of the people, but they come out representing the king. Like you said, Ned makes a, he sends 25 of his own household knights. That's the exact number that he sends with them. Mm -hmm. Because listen, 
Gregor goes with a hundred people. Now it's yeah. disputed whether it's fifty or hundred, but that sounds a lot more than just like a a group of rap scallions per se. Like that mm-hmm. is uh, even in this time, that is a formidable force that would be uh, considered a a organized attack at the very least if not a army if you look at the numbers i think whispering would have 2000 versus 4000 blah 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 you know i mean it's not that low of a number 100 men of arms especially knights you know to go at people is a formidable force so time when it's clearly doing things under the name of king robert and and that's what we'd really want to see but like i said it's kind of foolish of me and ignorant and that kind of proves the actual just greatness of george's story right because yeah. i still just want to ask you gray i'm like come on what of robert have came back and been like no they're no he just killed like jamie just killed jory you know what i mean like like it's not like this is any different to be honest and also edmir we already get the foreshadowing for the insolence or the uh, immaturity, right? Yeah. Of Admir, because there is an, another gentleman there from the Riverlands. We have to remember that they're attacking from the Crownlands, the Riverlands, which is the middle sect of Westeros. So you get the situation in which he sees the incapability of the Riverlands to really support themselves, even though his wife has not went under the Riverlands, you know, to the Vale. Mm-hmm. to start some shit but she knows that her people from riverlands are going to rise up and there's going to be conflict blah 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 but he sees like this maturity that he holds to a very very high level that he thinks oh no just like edmir they're going to be quick to jump the valor but like pretty much you know all talk and no fucking action right and edmir is green I'll say he's green, but Ned also does things that are green. Like Ned sends his own guards, 25 of them, which is, I think is a mistake. It is a mistake. And he's been doing it since he got there. Like he sent some of his men to be in the gold cloaks. Like he's, he should be massing people around him for protection. Like Tyrion does with the storm crows and the stone men and Bronn. But Ned kind of like disperses them out. Like, here, you go help Janice Slint because he's complaining that the tourney has the city in an uproar. Here, you go to the Riverlands with Beric, but so you're complaining, you're saying Edmir, like Edmir is letting Tywin scatter all his swords that are supposed to defend Riverrun, but to bleed off the strength of Riverrun, but at the same time, you're bleeding off the strength of your own household protection. In actually going against what his like his stratagem is, like you said, to separate himself from the difference between justice and revenge. Revenge is purely sentiment filled, meaning this person killed my wife. They are going to get their revenge on them. Justice means you bring balance. That yeah. is the difference. So they he doesn't care anymore if he actually sends his household guard. So it's either you because te- Loris is the answer. He literally is the answer because like that is the reach question that that plagues us all, right? If Renly yeah. truly could have met up with Rob, right? And mm-hmm. he's trying to prevent, and that is the total like, oh no, it's just such a. I'm sorry, I can't think of a good word for it, but it's terrible for me to think of because I just wish it would have happened, right? And then would have been a terrible story that we wouldn't be talking about. But at the same time, like the reach and the north going together because of the numbers would have been great. Right. And he's just like, no, 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 because that would be revenge, not justice. And yeah. justice is what he gets and it's not so just vengeance ned said i thought we were speaking of justice 
Burning Clegane's field and slaughtering his people will not restore the king's peace, only your injured pride. He glanced away before the young knight could voice his outrage protest and address the villagers. People of Shearer, I cannot give you back your homes or your crops, nor can I restore your dead to life, but perhaps I can give you some small measure of justice in the name of our King Robert. And that was the speech that Ned gave and Ned was trying to give justice. And he even says like, he's uncomfortable. Like he's like in the North, you know, we believe the man that passes the sentence to uh, swing the sword, but my leg is fucked up. So I can't. Um, so I, yeah, he's not uncomfortable with it, but I definitely think that this was, that was a good move for him to send them under the King's banner. And, um, they kind of tell him like, you know, well, the King's justice is Sir Ellen Payne. Yes. But at the same time, Sir Ellen Payne is from house Payne who was sworn to house Lannister. So you have to do like all these dynamic, like it's, there's a lot of, a political dynamic that's going on and i don't know that kind of wraps up this chapter i know i know but one last thing because that's where i force the hand because when push comes to shove we all got beefs and maybe you don't want to make your fight somebody else's fight but sometimes it comes to that and i think that ned truly should have took ellen Payne and put him front and center stage here instead mm-hmm. carry out the king's justice i think reality is he i think he should have made the king's justice carry out the king's justice yeah, and see he where his allegiances lie and i think that would have been interesting because there's that ongoing narrative of you know because obviously that's the man that takes his head so because Ellen Payne is visibly unhappy with this this is his job that they're subcontracting out so it's not that he's not he, he's making more enemies at home Ned just can't win is my point. So like if he just would have named, what do you think? Do you think Ellen Payne? I I am one to think, call me ignorant, call me easily persuadable. I think he would have done it. I think he would have went after him. I think he would have too. Yeah. Right. I think everything that in the, in the further narrative, when you replace Bron with him and the actual story thread, that's what I think, I think Ellen Payne would have done it. So, I mean, but it's just a fascinating and it's such a foreshadowing uh, moment for what's to come. Unfortunately. Right. Like this is Rob, the reach could do this and Varys, who he doesn't respect, but for some reason, somewhat listens to little finger. He's like, Oh, Hey there, little man that I strangled and Varys. He's like, no, no, no. Munich. You know, and, not- and the brotherhood without banners will span from these men. Yeah. Become so. a religious cult, a Robin Hood esque cult. I mean, I like the conversation and I'd like to have it further in a, um, you know, a different stream or something like that about them because they have phases. They literally do. They go from like carrying out the justice from Ned in technically the throne, right? To being this religious cult, which is about lore and blah, blah, blah. And they go through all these different phases and they become greedy, but they're also the personification of the righteous um, every man that Robin Hood was, but in George R. R. Martin's world, which is very real, where they need money, where they sell Gendry, right? You know, and yeah. all these things. Like, so they are a very fascinating thing. I think they are the most moldable, and it, it really proves George's prowess and his adaptability and his gardening skills. Or it just proves that he's a manic maniac that just is a genius. Because I don't know, because I think that he sets them out to be a few different things that just tend to work. It really, they tend to work, but they don't match up all that well because they become a different entity altogether, at least two times, you could argue for sure from what they initially set out to be, which there's no problem with because we all do it. So I think it's a fascinating chapter. Can't thank you enough for having me on. And I just, you know, I love rereading this with purpose. 
because you start to think and you start to go on Reddit, which isn't always necessarily a great thing, but it happens, <laughs> you know, and you start to be like, oh, what is this going to lead to? But no, it's fantastic. And I think that this is the one point in which Ned is Machiavellian, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's strong. No, I mean, Machiavellian, I think that it was an ironically written book, but yeah, uh, yeah you know, <laughs> that's I mean. strong, Justin. Um, maybe Machiavellian Jr. ish. Well, I think he wrote the whole book to say, this is what you do, idiots. And it was a big joke, to be fair. But I'm saying this is the time in which he didn't show his colors. Because that is, Stark means I will do what I do. It's very overt. He had To me, me, Machiavellian is ends justify the means. So nothing that he does here is ends justify the means. Even though he is smart and he does make a smart move to send those guys to the riverlands under the king's banner and not under his own banner or anyone else's banner but at the same time he's made en- enemies of sir ellen Payne, loris tyrell tywin lannister the mountain they see what justice looks like and it looks disparaging right like yeah. it looks down upon them in the pov like he's like look at them they wear their best clothes still all patched up not all that great it's like damn ned why why you gotta hate man like people, people got to make a living. It's not all the North. Right. It is. But uh, no, it's a fantastic chapter and it is his last time and his only time. It's not the hour of the wolf. Yeah, it is not. That. But I like to thank you for coming on. That was at 11 and I will see you guys next week. Bye.